No. I never, I'd never heard of it either. I had to ask Dr. Rickman. I looked it up, but I had to ask Dr. Rickman what that meant. And he owns a company that has a value of a billion dollars. He's in London. He's got offices all throughout the US, all throughout Europe. And they are shrink. They're doing what Lumen's doing, but in a different area related to measuring medical biometrics on your body. They are shrinking bench top technologies into heart rate, into sensors inside a smartwatch. And their mm-hmm. biggest customer is Apple from California. Oh, I, so, I'm, I'm sure. So that's, yeah. And so what we're going to see in the coming very shortly is we're going to see medical sensors put into smartwatches that will oh, tell you so fantastic. much more. I'm so glad I finished off that part of the conversation with Rachel talking about this other mini-series I created called The Thomas Edison of Health Technology in the 2020s because that mini-series dovetails into the next section of this episode. So if you want to get access to that, there's a link in the show notes. I've made it a part of the Health Lab. It's the most incredible uh, interview. I've. Uh, it's the fun, most phenomenal interview I've ever done. It was with a person called Dr. Andrew Rickman, who has a PhD in an area I'd never heard of called Silicon Photonics. And he is the CEO, chairman, and founder of this billion-dollar corporation. It was so cool to get to interview him. We live in this unique time in history where you can measure, track, and know things about the inside of your body on a daily basis that were never even possible five years ago. The pace of change in the next five years will be faster than the pace of change in the past 50 years when it comes to the possibilities of what you can measure and track and understand about the in, the real-time adaptations, metabolic adaptations going on inside your body. It's accelerating at an accumulating rate. You'll soon literally have, as Dr. Rickman talks about in that mini-series, The Thomas Edison of Health Technology, you'll soon have a clinic on your risk. (laughs) Clinic on your risk. A clinic on your wrist is what I meant to say. What does that mean? A clinic on your wrist. You will be able to get medical-grade biometrics that would normally have to go down to a doctor to see on your wrist and make choices based on those outcomes Long as Dr. Rickman talks about in this series. It's so fascinating. This technology called silicon photonics is making that possible where it was never possible in human history before. And what his company are doing, and it's this billion-dollar company already, what they are doing is changing the course of human history when it comes to health outcomes. Go into the series. If you want to get access to it, it's a part of my health lab, and you can get access to it in the show notes. So the thing, here's the thing. Are you going to, the people you care about, you, the people you care about, and the people you're responsible for, are they going to react to negative medical biometrics on their wrist, say in a smartwatch, after they become available and they're becoming available in the next few years, are they go after they become negative and dangerous? Are the people going to react to them after they become dangerous for their lives, or are you going to respond ahead of time? There's only two choices you've got when it comes to this area about metabolic health adaptations. 
if you can have on your wrist the ability to understand in real-time feedback on a daily basis true metabolic and physiological adaptations happening inside your body. So are they negative and dangerous? Could you lead you to sickness, disease, and death? Or are you responding ahead of time? Meaning, are you a person who's going to make a choice to get your body into a situation so that you don't get negative metabolic adaptations, so that you don't get a negative pulse wave velocity score? which means you won't get high blood pressure, okay? It's all linked together. You're either going to be the person who reacts, oh, I've got high blood pressure, I better do something about that now. I'll go down and get some medication. That's a choice. But because what medication is trying to do is get you out of dis-ease. I didn't realize this until a while ago. The word disease is dis-ease. You're not in a state of ease. That's what it means. So medication is trying to get you back to that. What about if you could use your, what I call the correct heart rate pattern for health to get out of the disease funnel and be in the health funnel so that you are responding ahead of time? Or even if you've got into the disease funnel, I'm about to show you more details of how you get out of the disease funnel, get into the health funnel where the only outcome is you're at low risk from the number one and number two, leading causes of sickness, disease, and death. That's the only outcome of the health funnel. Now, what does that do? Is a huge spillover effect into your life that's incredibly positive. But if you go all the way down to the bottom of the health funnel, using some of what I'm about to go through and the next few episodes, you will end up being in a situation that's abnormal compared to the bulk of society in any one of the current 87 countries that listen to this could be up higher than that now. I haven't checked recently. The 87 countries that listen to this program because the bulk of them are not in a situation where they're at low risk. The bulk of them have precursor conditions to a cardiovascular event or a cancer event and what we call all-cause mortality. Remember, the word mortality means death, so premature death. So if you're in the second category or you want to learn exactly how to be ahead of not causing disease, sickness, and premature death, then let me take you on this journey into what I call the correct heart rate pattern for health. So this is part two from the previous episode. I always say yesterday's episode, but you might not be listening to it yesterday. So please go back and listen to the previous episode before we transition. So let's transition right now into the next section following up from the previous episode here, the correct heart rate pattern for health. You'll understand what I mean as we dive into this. And then the next couple of episodes coming up, a significant deep dive into the exact steps, exact framework. So here's what we'll do. We're going to have the exact framework. I'm going to give you the strategy and the framework, but I'm not going to give you the tactics here because it's makes the it's too long. It's a separate series. That's why I've put the tactics into the health lab because I want you to get it in sequential order that gives you the best chance at a high rate of behavioral change, high rate of improved outcomes. 
giving people all the knowledge just here right now, it doesn't work like that. When I say it doesn't work like that, you don't get the bulk of people just going, oh, just give me everything, throw me in the kitchen sink, and then they change straight away. I have purposely put together in sequential order the program inside the health lab of the tactics, what you need to do on a day-to-day basis, in sequential order so that your brain can accumulate at the right, it's the best way to describe this, in the right series of steps to give you the best, the highest possible chance of you having improved long-term behavioral change. Anybody can go and look up and read things on the internet. That's not what successful education and learning is all about. It's about impact. And so the way that the health lab is designed is the tactics are inside it, what you need to do on a day-to-day basis, because the sequential order that I've put things in, in the health lab, they end up giving you the absolute best chance of having a high impact to improve your health for the rest of your life. All right, let's go right now into the correct heart rate pattern for health. This is episode number two, lesson number two on this particular topic. And we'll finish up here and be back with another part uh, in the next episode. All right, here we go. We are back with part two of the correct heart rate pattern matters for health. And I said, what we're going to do is we're going to start linking the days of your heart rate pattern together. So let me just walk you through in this episode a scenario, because today we'll look at, in this episode, we'll look at what we call the rolling seven days of your physical activity. And then we'll talk a little bit about health adaptations. And then in tomorrow's episode, we'll look at a month and then maybe a year as well and the health adaptations that happen if you have the correct heart rate pattern. Because I can tell you now, it matters for health. All right, let's go, let's go straight into it and talk about the scenario and the example that we're going to look at here with the correct heart rate pattern that matters for health. Let's get, run you through this first scenario. Let's say you or someone that you influence or teach or care about, let's say they do three days of physical activity in a given week. Let's say, well, let's just pick on, well, we pick on a young person or a middle-aged person or an older person like me. I don't consider myself to be old, but I'm 55, so I'm starting to get there. Um, nevertheless, um, let's get back to, let me pick someone who is uh, 30 years of age. Yep, that sounds good, 30 years of age. Their heart rate pattern, if they are physically active over those three days, let's say they live at home, they don't have any kids yet, and they've got a couple of pets, a couple of dogs, and they take those dogs out for a walk. So on one of the days, their physical activity is taking their dogs out for a walk. And let's say they go for a really good size walk. And when I say good size walk, I mean length of time. Now, I'll ask you this question. When you're out walking the dog, do you generally go fast? Now, if you go for a run with your dog, that's different than taking a walk from the dog. But I'm talking about a 30-year-old person who went for a walk with the dog. All right, let's assume they live in a fairly, just a, a suburb like mine. I live in a suburb here in Sydney that's got it, the topography. If I walk the streets with our golden retriever, the topography is somewhat uh, up and down. It's undulating. Okay, there's a few hills there. There's a few flats. It's undulating. 
But walking the dog, if I was the 30-year-old person doing that, the thing that you have to understand, first of all, about correct heart rate pattern is, what would be their maximum heart rate? And if you don't know the formula, and there's, look, there's several scientific formulas, but for health, it doesn't matter. There's one easy one to use, and it's close enough. It's, it may not be 100% if you're a sports performance person, but when it comes to health, it's brilliant. Here it is, 220 minus your age. So if I'm the 30-year-old person, or you're the 30-year-old person, someone you teach, is if you're a teacher like me, they're going to be 30 years old one day. Their maximum heart rate at that point of their life would be 190 beats a minute. They go for a one-hour walk around an undulating area. What do you think, out of walking the dog pace, out in a beautiful sunshine day, how high do you think that their heart rate might get in that particular situation? They're not running with the dog. They're just out taking for a walk. They've got the dog on a lead. And let's say, for example, they get their heart rate up on the undulating situations they might get it up to, I'll be generous and say 135 beats. Now, if we work that out as a percentage of their maximum, it's 70%, 71%. Let's just call it 70%. But that's at the undulate, the hot where they're walking up a hill, get to 135, walking up the hill. And let's, and that'll be a sharp hills, but let's say then there's some flats where they're walking over that one hour period of time. And when they're on their flats, their heart rate might be 120 beats a minute. That would be for that particular person at 63% of their maximum heart rate. It's already starting to get complicated, isn't it? This whole, the correct heart rate pattern matters for health. It's like, oh, this sounds like a nightmare. How do we figure this out? Let's say that the average that they did was 129 beats. So they get back, they look at their, look at their heart rate pattern, and their, and their software, whatever app they use, iOS or Android, doesn't matter. Their heart rate pattern from their wristwatch tells them that they achieved an average of 129 beats a minute. For that person who's 30 years of age, that means they had an average heart rate, if you want to be a stickler, 67.8%. Let's just call it 68%. That's day one. They had an average heart rate number of 68% of their maximum if you look at their heart rate graph. Then this person's 30, they're kind of into a bit of recreational sport still. Not many adults are, are they? Think about people where you live. And let's say they go out and do some beach volleyball. I don't live too far from the beach. I grew up near the beach. We used to go and do beach volleyball. And let's say they go and do some beach volleyball for an afternoon. And they stick up the nets and they just go and have some fun with their friends, enjoying some fun, but it's still physical activity. Let's say that the average, they played a pretty intense game of beach volleyball, having some fun. They're still 30 years of age. They like to be mildly competitive. And they average for that particular day 135 beats a minute. Well, actually, that's pretty high for a game of volley, beach volleyball. Still, it's on the beach, working in the sands pretty hard, running around a fair bit. Might be two-person volleyball, beach volleyball. So two versus two. Let's say they average 135. And for that particular person, that means they're averaging 71%. So we add that plus their 68%, their two days have got, they're on 68%. They've averaged, so if, oh, so what do we got? No, we got 71%. I made that mistake there on my calculations. Plus their 68 divided by two, they've averaged 69.5%. Let's call it an even 70%. 
Then they decide on day number three, they're going to the gym. They're going to do some weights. They're going to do a little bit of cardio. They average in that whole 45 minutes. They're not doing a fitness class. They're just averaging between their weights and their cardio. They might average, they have a pretty good session, might average 140 beats a minute. Well, that 140 beats, that's getting up there. That's the best part of 74%. So they've now got 74% for the first day, for the third day, 71% for the second day, and the first day they had 68%. And if you worked that out as an average over three days, they've averaged 71%. Here's what I'm going to ask you a question. If you know anything about this subject, what the heck does that tell you about the health impact? I can tell you it doesn't. You can't decipher whether or not your three days combined in that seven-day cycle actually help. Has it done this? Has it caused molecular changes inside the human body, that, that person's human body, that person's human body, it's a crazy statement, that person's body, has it caused physiological changes in that seven-day cycle to actually drive down their risk of a cardiovascular event and help lower their risk of a cancer event? But with the, the, the clinically validated health software that we have, it proves whether or not they've lowered their risk by for cardiovascular events, specifically the world's biggest cause of sickness and death. So there is no fundamental app. Through, we know that heart rate is the true reflection of your body's response to physical activity. But if you look at percentages, time spent in zones, it doesn't tell you, did you reduce your chance of arrhythmia? That's a form of heart disease. Did you reduce your chance of thrombosis? Another form of heart disease. Did you reduce your chance of atherosclerosis? Another form of blood vessel disease and heart disease. And there's another one with the, off the top of my head. I'm thinking in the quadrant here um, of a diagram that I created called the impact quadrant, which reflects the physiological changes from the correct dose of physical activity, from the correct heart rate pattern. Uh, and so I had thrombosis. Oh, the fourth one was arrhythmia. Has it reduced your risk of an arrhythmia, heart arrhythmia over time? The answer is you don't know because... Looking at heart rate patterns, it's impossible to tell. What you need to do is to have clinically validated software that takes your heart rate pattern and then flips it into a health impact score. And the health impact score is based on the Hunt study of the 45,000 people that I mentioned in yesterday's episode, and it's based on a larger population, I think it's probably getting closer towards a million people now that it's cross-validated on, that says, if you have the correct health impact score, remember, the health impact score, which I'm going to dive into tomorrow's episode, is a true reflection of your heart rate pattern. And if your health impact score, because it's converted your, what it's done, what Professor Wisloff and his team have done is convert heart rate patterns into a health impact score. And if you've done the correct dose of physical activity, it will have driven down your risk of arrhythmia, thrombosis, atherosclerosis, and the other one, the ischemia, ischemic diseases of the heart. So the problem is that people don't know and they have no concept of whether it's driven down those physio- the physiological risk. Driven, improved your health adaptations. Are you classified as physically healthy yet? How do you know when you are? 
That's the great challenge that comes from looking at the title of this episode, The Correct Heart Rate Pattern Matters for Health. So here we are. I'm going to finish up today's episode. Tomorrow's episode is when we dive into this whole conversion of heart rate patterns into a health impact score and linking your seven days. Like I went through this three-day example. Someone might do five. You could do six days of exercise, what you think is the correct dose of exercise, and still be nowhere near the correct health impact score. So tomorrow, let's look at health impact score in a minute in more detail. Then we'll look at another example of how you link historically every rolling seven days. Some of these professors in the world now are absolute geniuses to provide us with tools that can literally change our physical health destiny. Thanks for joining me in this episode, everybody. Can't wait to share with you tomorrow how we convert heart rate patterns into a health impact score. And then what does that actually mean for your physiological and molecular health adaptations that then drives risk reduction? That's the big thing. All right, everybody, wherever you're up to in your day, it has been fantastic sharing with you. You can probably tell just from my voice, I am somewhat obsessed with this topic. I love it. I really want to make a difference. I want to help people change and improve their physical health destiny. All right, everybody, share with you tomorrow. Bye for now.